Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Student Diaries, the podcast edition. This week's guest is Michael Wynn. A quick note before we get started, this episode was recorded at the beginning of March. I hope you enjoy. So, Michael joins me today on the podcast. Michael, how are you doing? Doing good. How are you, John? I'm good. I'm good. So thank you for coming on to the podcast to talk about everything ASU downtown related and even life related stuff. Of course, of course. Looking forward to this. So just tell me, because I know on the day we're recording this, it's been a year since the CDC confirmed COVID-19 as a pandemic. So just tell me how your life has been impacted by COVID-19? Oh, how has my life been impacted by COVID-19? Well, I guess the obvious is where, you know, transitioning everything remote to online learning. And that was really hard for me at first because I tend, I like most people, I tend to learn better when I'm in person and interacting with other people. But then with, COVID-19, it was hard for me to actually learn and enjoy school because I do enjoy learning. I do enjoy school. But then when the pandemic happened, you know, it was just harder to actually learn because of everything that was going on. Because right when COVID-19 started, there was, you know, a lot of other things happening. Like, you know, in a few, like a few months after COVID-19, there was the Black Lives Matter movement, and there is the election, and there is the racism against Asian Americans. And so I guess it wasn't just COVID-19, but everything else plus COVID-19 that made it really hard for me to stay motivated with school. Yeah, those, those are definitely a lot has happened this year. And I think it's interesting how we're talking about COVID-19, and I'll bring this up when you said racism against uh, Asian Americans. I was in New York a year ago, right before COVID happened, and there was a bunch of incidents. And still, even today, there's a bunch of incidents in New York where the Asian community is just getting attacked, and it's absolutely awful. And I, I remember seeing this one sign on the subway where I, I forgot what it what it said, but it was something like uniting people of like New York and everything. And I thought it was really nice to see that because everyone was so fearful back then of the virus because we didn't know anything about it. And just the fact that this is still happening in 2021, where the Asian community is just getting downright attacked, shoved. We've seen these incidents. I think these are primarily happening in New York, but it's still a nationwide problem. So just talk to me about that. And I I thought it was very interesting how you brought that up. Yeah, for sure. So like I've been seeing on the news. So like I have also been seeing on the news about all the anti-Asian racism everywhere. And it's horrible. And I take it personal because I am an Asian American myself. And, you know, I've had heard experiences and I have heard experiences where, um, you know, people have experienced racism. So like there was this one time where my uncle, he owns a nail salon and um, 
he had this coworker who someone told him to go back to Corona. And so that was, I mean, it wasn't, I don't know, it's still pretty awful, but just, but it's good that it wasn't a physical assault, but it's still horrible because people just assumed that just because something horrible came from one, one country or one place, then they kind of blame it on everyone else. And, you know, it's not okay, to be honest, because like my mom and I, we talk a lot and how, you know, we have to be extra careful these days to make sure that we stay safe and everything. So. So no, yeah, I, it is, it is absolutely awful that what your uncle had to deal with. And I, no one should ever, ever have to deal with that. And one of one point that one of my classmates brought up in my business and future of journalism class, Drake Presto brought this up, was the media is just telling that this is happening and they're not actually explaining why this is happening, which I found really interesting because it is totally true. I, I just want to talk to you about media coverage of these events. And I don't know if you have seen media coverage of these events, like TV coverage. And I just want to get your opinion. Do you think they're just telling that these are happening? Or do you think they're actually explaining that these attacks are happening? So overall, I do think they just say that it's happened, that it has been happening, but not why it has been happening. So like, um, like on social media, like that's where I've seen all of these you know, reports of Asian um, elderlies and women, you know, just all Asians in general getting attacked and hurt. Like, you know, in the news, they say, uh, this Asian has been attacked or robbed or whatever, but they don't say why. Or sometimes they say, you know, motivation unknown or no apparent reason. And I just thought that was interesting because like, you know, with COVID-19, you know, Asian American racism has been increasing like a lot dramatically and um so one example that I saw was like this 84 year old Thai man in San Francisco that you know alleged where someone just pushed him for no reason but then he died of his injuries a few days later but then no one really said like why like who would like no one really said like who attacked him why they would attack him you know but you know, some people, like a lot of people assumed that it was because of race. And I assume it was because of race as well, too. And, you know, I may be right, I may be wrong. But even if I am wrong, there's still an issue because, um, like issues with Asian Americans, they've always been kind of swept under the rug, where a lot of people just kind of ignore because, you know, like Asian Americans are like the model minority where, you know, they were able to achieve the American dream and assimilate into Western society. But then, you know, honestly, like, like I, I hate that myth so much because not only does it hurt, because at least for me, the model minority just places a lot of expectations and pressures on me to, you know, be successful, to succeed and to have, to be financially stable when I'm older. But then the thing is not all Asian Americans are like that because um, like the Asian American race, it's just, it's so diverse. Cause like, for example, like 
it's so diverse because, you know, there are many Asians who came here into this country as immigrants versus Asians who came to this country as refugees. And, you know, if you come here as an immigrant, that's different because you had a choice and you wanted to come here for a better life. But then, you know, if you came here as a refugee, then that's different because oftentimes you didn't have a choice and you were fleeing your country because of war and everything. Like, um, I guess I'll use my parent as an example. So like both my parents were refugees from the Vietnam War and my mom, she would always tell me stories about how like, um, how hard it was for her in America at first because, you know, she didn't have any money. She didn't have any, she didn't have any money. She had no job. She didn't have any English speaking skills because she just came here, because she just came here fleeing from the Vietnam War and she was completely lost and didn't know what to do. But then the only reason why she was able to get out of that was because she worked really hard and she worked really hard and she started to learn English. She started to go to school and get a job. And so that's why she was able to rise above that. It's not just because, you know, she was Asian. So that's why, like, I think the model minority myth is is invalid. I just, I don't like it because it just kind of invalidates the experiences of Asian Americans and how, you know, like they did have a rough, like they did have a rough time coming into America initially. But the reason, I guess like from my perspective, the reason why they, why some of them are able to, you know, get out of poverty, get out of violence and everything was because they worked hard for it to have a better life for themselves and, you know, their future children and everything. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, Michael. I know it takes courage to share that, especially on a podcast. I I definitely think it's so interesting hearing everyone's experiences. And I definitely think we do need to see more explanation in the media as to why these are happening and just not saying that it's happening because just saying that it's happening is not enough. And with that, I want to transition into life living in Arizona. And Michael, I know you are about 30 to 40 minutes east of the Phoenix metro area in sunny Gilbert, Arizona. Just t- tell me, how is living in Arizona? How do you like it? Do you not like it? Uh, well, I lived in Arizona my whole life and uh... Honestly, I do like living in Arizona because like the weather is nice. And, uh, you know, when you drive out to certain places, it's beautiful. Like, for example, Flagstaff, like I love going to Flagstaff because, you know, there's actually a lot of um, trees and mountains and like, I love nature. Um, So like Arizona, is a nice place to live in, but you kind of have to look for it because most people think of it as a desert, but then, you know, like it is a desert, but there's more to it than being a desert. Um, As for Gilbert specifically, um, I mean, I I do like living in Gilbert specific. I mean, I guess I like living in Gilbert. There's like some good and bad to it. Like, you know, the people here, they're actually 
pretty nice and they keep to themselves. And so like, I'm able to go on about my business or, you know, they're nice most of the time. So like, you know, they leave you alone or if they want to talk to you, then they're mostly nice. But then, you know, there's some, I mean, like not bad sides to Gilbert, but it's just because like of the high school that I went to, um, like my high school that I went to in Gilbert, it was very clicky and like people kind of had their own groups and stuff. But then like, for me, I was kind of a loner and an outcast. So I guess that's why when I say like, it's not really a bad side to Gilbert. It's just that like the sometimes like the people in Gilbert, I guess they can be clicky. Yeah. So when you mentioned being like an outcast in high school and you're high school having clicky like groups how was your experience freshman year let's go back to first like because Michael and I are in the same class uh class year so just take me back to the beginning of freshman year where move-in was happening and you were first meeting new people was the experience at ASU downtown and specifically Barrett different than your experience at Gilbert yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, when I first went to ASU downtown, you know, there was people who were from all over the place, whether, who was who were from all over the place, all over the country. And so, like, actually, my first friend that I made at ASU was actually my roommate, who is from New Mexico. Um, but, like, I guess the people that I meet in ASU downtown in Barrett, like, they're not, like, they're not, to me, they're not clicky, like, they seem very accepting and opening and loving, um, cause, like, um, cause, like, you know, when I was first in high school, it was hard for me to make friends, and I didn't really make friends until, like, my sophomore, junior year of high school, but then, when I arrived at ASU, I was able to make friends within like a month after school started, just because, you know, I would see the same people every day, but then those people were from different places and they had different backgrounds and life experiences. And, you know, some of them, you know, I, from my perspective, I mean, some people, they don't care where you are. I mean, they don't care what your background was or what your life experience was. They just know that, you know, hey, you know, this person seems cool. I want to talk to him or I want to talk to her, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that's good. Uh, I'm glad we were like a big close circle of friends on the Barrett Taylor Place for, which is the dorm at ASU downtown's campus. Um, yeah, just how is living in Taylor Place uh, before COVID happened, obviously, first semester was like the only real semester we had, like the real full semester. So just tell me how, how did you like living in Taylor Place? And what recommendations would you give to people living in Taylor Place now? Uh, honestly, I really liked living at Taylor Place because like for me, I would always be in the lounge late at night and there would be people, other people also in the lounge. And like in first semester, like this would happen in the fall semester. And like, 
you know, me and a few other people, we will sometimes use the TV in the lounge to watch movies or a TV show. And that was just, that was an easy way for me to meet new people and make new friends. Um, so, and then I guess ooh, for an advice for new, for people living in Tyrion Place now, Oh, I mean, I know because of COVID-19, it is harder to meet new people, but, you know, like, that's the biggest thing, just trying to meet new people, make new friends. And, you know, if you can't do that in person, you can always try to do that virtually. I know it's hard to meet new people and, you know, keep, stay connected with during COVID-19, because, like, I honestly feel like I haven't been staying connected with anything or anyone and I've been feeling pretty isolated myself but I guess a big thing is for anyone living in Terry Place is to reach out to other people who are also living in Terry Place because since you're in the same area it is easier for you guys to meet up in person you know but with masks and social distancing of course and do things together so I guess that would be my big thing is to just you know, reach out to other people because not only they can, not only will they be there to, you know, um, be your friend and everything, but they can also be your support, you know, whenever you need it, especially like during these weird times when COVID-19 has definitely taken a toll on everyone, so. Yeah, that's, that's really good advice. I, I like that actually. And I know Taylor Place, they group off floors based on your college. So I remember Barrett last year was 10 and 11. And let's just take Cronkite, for example. Cronkite is 12 and 14. So they would base off the floor with your college and they would pair you with college students in your own college, which is nice because you could work on stuff together, study together. And on the college now, how are your classes going? Do you have a favorite class? And Anyone looking to go into Watts, what would you suggest them to do and what advice would you give them? Okay, uh, so I guess I'll answer that question first, actually. So for Watts, so for those of you who don't know, I'm a public service and public policy major. And um, I guess if there's one thing to say to anyone who wants to major something in Watts, um, I guess it'll be that the people in the college, you know, they really want to give back and help others. And so, you know, if you want to do something where you give back and help others, then, you know, you should definitely major something within the Watts College, like, you know, social work, public policy, that kind of stuff, because those all involve, um, you know, interacting with people directly or indirectly. And so I just think that, so, okay. So I guess for anyone who wants to go into the Watts College, I would just say, you know, to reach out to your advisors and to the people because, you know, the whole name of Watts College is literally Watts College of Public Service and Community Solutions. And so like, anyone who is in a Watts College will most likely want to help you 
in some way with their academic career and they want to make sure that you succeed and graduate so that you can actually help other people, you know, in the future. Um, so how do you like your major in general? Uh, honestly, I really like my major. So, um, so because like, so for my major, like I've taken classes like public service, public policy, you know, just a bunch of public policy classes about how, um, you know, policies have impacted people and other people's lives. And, you know, right now I'm actually taking a research method for a public service class. And so for that class, I recently had to submit a research proposal about healthcare access, which is, which I find really interesting. So, Cause like, you know, in the future, I wanna do something with healthcare. And so, you know, just learning about healthcare access and how some people can easily get access to it and how some people don't, it's interesting to me. And it's interesting to know why some people can't get healthcare access so that you know, maybe in the future, I can try to help reduce the health disparity. Um, and yeah, and then, oh, and then I remember your other question about my classes in general. So my classes are, I mean, like, I, I do like my classes, but um, so not only am I a public services, public policy major, I'm also double majoring in a science major I'm a STEM major as well and so because of that like I take classes that I take both I take classes for both public policy and science so like for like I'm in organic chemistry and physics right now and those classes they really honestly kick my butt to no end but um they honestly really help me study hard and have grit because I honestly believe that if you really like organic chemistry or if you really want to do something so like even though like I'm a public policy major I do want to go to medical school which is the reason why I'm also a STEM major but I also want to get a master's in public health as well in the future but um like I do like organic chemistry and physics, like they really kick my butt, but I do like those classes because they help, they allow, they help me become a better student because I have to study really hard for those classes. And I come up with new study methods, more effective study methods for myself. And so, um, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. No, I, that's, that's really awesome what you said. So, all these experiences that you had at ASU, just just tell me what is your best experience that you've had so far at ASU. My best experience, ah, uh, 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 that's definitely first Friday. So like before COVID happened, um, there was there like so before COVID happened on the first Friday of every month like ASU downtown had this thing called first Friday on Roosevelt street where like there would be a bunch of vendors and stuff where people can just you know walk around the city and they can see some awesome stuff and like I really loved first Friday because it gave me a chance to 
go out and, you know, hang out with my friends and everything. And, you know, some of the things that would go on during First Friday, it was pretty interesting. Like, I saw, like, there was this one time where I saw this guy, you know, hypnotize someone on the street and he made someone pass out. Um, and there's also another time where, like, I got into a mosh pit and, like, this was before COVID. So obviously, I'm not going to mosh pits now, but right. like, before COVID, yeah, <laughs> like, before COVID, like, I went into this one mosh pit and it was really fun, even though, like, I got pushed like three times and I, think my glasses fell off or almost fell off but that was definitely my best ASU experience yeah to anyone who goes to ASU downtown first Friday you do not want to miss that it was so fun I can't even remember it anymore because obviously there hasn't been any because of COVID and I don't know it's just like downtown is like vibing on first Friday there's a lot of people there I miss First Fridays a lot. I forgot about them until you mentioned them because it's been so long since we've had one. I know. I just hope that, you know, in the fall, I mean, like, I don't know if we'll have them back in the fall, but I just hope, like, one day, you know, in the future, you know, it'll be safe enough to do that again because, like, those, that was honestly my favorite thing about ASU downtown, so... Yeah. Yeah, that is such a great event that I encourage everyone to check out. Yeah, I'm just like, well, as we're recording, I'm getting flashbacks of how fun First Friday was. But okay, last question, Michael. What is the best place to go to on the downtown campus or just downtown in general? I guess the, I guess like I don't have like one specific place that I can recommend, but the best thing that I like about ASU downtown is just that, you know, it's not really a separate campus. It's part of the city and it's also small, which I really like because um, like when you're living in a small area, I mean, like, you know, everyone knows everyone or like you see a lot of familiar faces, which is nice for me because I kind of get anxious meeting new people. I'm not very good at meeting new people. Um, and for, and as for the city, um, I really like that ASU is kind of integrated into the city because, um, it's easier for me to just, you know, walk around to wherever I need to and stuff, because like, I didn't bring, like when I went to ASU downtown, I didn't have a car with me. And so because of that, like ASU was small and everything was uh, walking distance which was really nice for me and um, yeah interesting I, I agree ASC downtown is a small campus but it is still part of downtown Phoenix and if anyone is familiar with downtown Phoenix you know that ASU is plastered everywhere downtown I feel like big signs especially after you come off of like third street or 7th Street, I see signs. So yeah, ASU has really made an appearance on downtown in a couple of years because they are building a ton of new things. I don't know if that's good or bad. Maybe it's both, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, Michael, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, no problem, John. It was, it, this was nice. I really enjoyed it.
Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. You can find out more at downtowndevil.com.